Welcome to the Future of Consumer and Retail podcast by SAP. In this second part of our two-part series, let's continue our inside look at moments that matter in the customer journey with special guest Efren Rosario from Diageo, a global leader in premium drinks with iconic brands such as Johnny Walker, Smirnoff, Guinness, and more. I'm Matt Gardner, and my good friend Sonny Neely will be hosting this fascinating part two of the discussion. Sonny, over to you. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate that intro and excited about this second episode of our Moments That Matter podcast here with Diageo and SAP. I'm Sonny Neely with the SAP Consumer Products Industry Business Unit. I am joined by Efren Rosario from Diageo. Efren, you want to say hello? Great to be with you again, Sonny. Looking forward to the conversation. And John Dano from our Consumer Products Advisory Team. John, you want to say hello? Hello, everyone. John Daniel here. Efren, it's great to be back talking with you. And Sonny, always a pleasure. Yes, yes, always. In our previous episode, we talked about consumers, how they've evolved, and how CPGs, and I think Diageo is a great example, connect with them during special moments that matter. Maybe that's during a recession when you just need a moment of escape or happiness. I think it's those moments that really count when a brand is building its equity. And we talked about the role of in-home as well as out-of-home consumption. So often those special times in life happen outside the home. So you've got to be able to be there when and where the customer needs it. We covered how the pandemic and now the recession is changing consumption. And it's funny, the past three months from when we had the last podcast, those trends are probably even more so true. You know, the recession is digging in a little bit. We've seen a lot of layoffs. We've seen financial instability, bank failures, things like that. More than ever, I think brands have an opportunity to deliver some quality, some value above and beyond in a difficult time. Diageo is leading by example, investing in the brand, investing in those experiences, even despite a difficult market. So I think what we want to talk about in this second episode is how do CPG companies bring moments that matter to life? Maybe I'll kick it right over to Efren. What are your thoughts about how this strategy takes shape when you bring it to the market? To me, the key word in all this is about connections, right? Thinking about how, whether it's Diageo or whether it's another brand or retailer, how you think about connecting different moments on the journey into an overall experience, right? That needs to expand our thinking, I'll speak for ourselves, beyond, let's call it a traditional channel, or let's say even a device or trade format, and really striving for what I like to refer to as consistency, but not sameness, right? For me, that means whatever content or messaging you're putting in front of the consumer or the shopper is contextually relevant. So it's about delivering the right message in the right place. Right. So that doesn't necessarily mean that you take the same message and you deliver it across the consumer journey. I think that contextual relevance with the consumer understanding is what really ultimately drives personalization. I think it makes so much sense, Efren. And I think attention is really what's in such high demand and so hard to get to. And I think it's funny, I was talking to another colleague about catching a consumer's attention. If you look right now at all the different devices that are on your desk and all the different windows that you have open, every second of our day is in high competition with so many different signals. You're trying to gather and maintain that attention with your message. I think it's critical. We talked about how getting the right experience to the right consumer starts with data. And we could talk about this all day. I wanted, though, Efren, to mention a podcast I saw that you did recently with Scott Boyle from Danone. I know he's a former colleague of yours at Diageo. What were some of the key takeaways from that conversation and maybe just some general thoughts on the importance of data? 
you know, it's always a great opportunity to learn whenever I get a chance to connect with Scott. I was glad to be able to get him on the podcast and to be able to have others benefit from his knowledge as well. And for me, looking back on our conversation, a couple of things really stuck out. The first one was I really liked how Scott articulated what data fluency meant to him or how he's seen it be defined at the companies that he's worked at, which is in essence the best of the best from a CPG standpoint. And he mentioned in essence two key quarters, they being process and purpose. And from his experience, he referenced how different companies that he's worked at over his career tended to lean into one of the two of those in regards to being very process oriented around how they thought about data or being very purpose driven as to how they chose to go about it. And there's no right answer in regards to if you had to do one or the other. I think Ultimately, like most things, it's a combination of both of those that are really important. He also talked a lot about how whatever it is you choose to do from a data standpoint, it all has to start from a place of clean, structured data. And when I think about how I internalize that, one of the things that comes to mind is taxonomy, particularly at a global role like I'm in now, which is how do you ensure that when you're looking at things across a variety of different regions, markets, countries, and teams, how are you ensuring that you've got some consistency there with regards to the taxonomy that you're putting into place? And then the last thing that I really took away was this premise that he talked about, which is we always hear about data as a source of competitive advantage. And I think Scott was really spot on when he said, having data isn't the source of competitive advantage. It's what you go do with it or how you use it that really creates that competitive advantage. Data for the sake of data isn't going to get you to where you need to be in regards to driving growth or capturing share or whatever, however you choose to measure success. It's really what you do with it that's going to matter. The taxonomy piece is really interesting because that's really hard stuff. And I'm curious around your own experience, what levels of governance it really takes to be able to get to the discipline of having an effective taxonomy to be able to execute the way that you were just describing. I'm not an expert in that area by any means, but I guess my own experience with that has been layers of complexity when it comes to this. So we've tended to always think about starting with simple terms in regards to, you know, what kind of governance we wanted to include. And actually, to be honest, I would also tie it back to the comment that I referenced earlier from our discussion with Scott around being process versus purpose oriented. I think several organizations where I've worked that have been, let's say, more process oriented have tended to have increasing levels of governance as compared to other places that I've worked to protect the innocent here, where they've been more purpose-driven, where the taxonomy and I guess the levels of governance have been more simple than complex. So I think the caveat, and I guess the short answer is it depends in terms of just where your strengths lie. I'd be curious to get your perspectives as data experts in regards to what do you see having worked with other customers in terms of those levels of governance? I guess I would respond, it depends, right? Certainly, people respect and understand the concept and what it can provide, but people really struggle with an overall discipline in that space. And I think it lends itself to the broader context of your point around data and how, yeah, data is data, but it's really what you do with it. And having an element of discipline around how you govern your data so it's ready for execution 
I see varying levels of capability, and it really comes down to the focus and effort on some of the non-sexy things like that, that then can unlock truly some sexy business in terms of what you can do with data and connecting with your consumer. So it really has been diverse in my experience, but those who understand and lend a certain level of discipline to knowing that it's important and that it can unlock more capability for you are the ones that win in that space. Yeah, and and I love what you mentioned there around discipline because I do feel like with something like taxonomy, it can be heavy, it can be hard. I think you have to be deliberate in regards to how you choose to approach it. And I also referring back to Scott because I think he had, he said so many brilliant things. One of the other things that he referenced was exactly what you're talking about, John, which is sometimes it's not the sexy stuff that gets you some quick wins, right? I think he's like, Doing the fundamentals right, which may be a little unsexy, can get you started in the right direction fairly quickly. Certainly, data management is becoming more complex and more risky, being out of compliance of the ever-expanding legislation around data privacy, whether it's GDPR in Europe and all these different rules and regulations we have, even by individual states in the U.S. and other countries. It's critical that you stay up to date with that. The ramifications are enormous. You look at some of the lawsuits that heavy data users, some of the social networks have been on the brunt of this, but they're getting hit with millions in lawsuits. And I think that people are going to take notice. Yeah. And one more thing. I love the fact you mentioned government regulation. I think a lot of it also has to do with not just the risk of legal action, but I think it's also lost sales, right? I think back to when I was in the startup world, one of the places that I worked at, our business was built on helping standardize and helping people get to a clean, structured data platform sort of place. The fact that you had to make sure that you delivered on those eight critical data elements to be able to sell on certain retailers' platforms, that was critical. That was business critical, right, for brands. So if those eight pieces of data were not included in each product that they tried to sell through that platform, it wasn't getting listed. It wasn't getting sold. I think it's both the legal action, but it's also obviously the loss in business value as well in regards to lost sales. Absolutely. It's being able to list on customers, but it's also being able to grant access within your organization to people who could make valuable decisions based on that data. SAP, since the purchase of Gigia years ago with identity and access management, you know, we've got a really robust offering there. Helps take the uncertainty out of it so they can focus on the insights. And we were talking about data for data's sake is worthless. It's all about what you can do with it. And we love to talk about this story with Ferrara Candy. They're leveraging our customer data platform. And, you know, they were able to get an insight that they'd never realized before. And it's funny, you talk about moments that matter. One of the key moments, one of the key consumption occasions for this brand is during gaming. You know, it's an at-home period where people are snacking during gaming. And Trolley is one of the brands that's closely associated with gaming. So with that insight that they wouldn't have been able to get before without the rich data they get from the individual consumer, they were able to really shift around their communications, focus their promotional effort against gaming sponsorships. And they've seen a massive increase in terms of the conversion rate of their promotions and participation in sweepstakes and everything else. Pretty exciting about the potential when you can put data into action, when you can deliver those insights in a compliant way within your organization so it can in turn better connect with consumers. And I think it's not just promotions. It's finding the right customer target. It's about new product development. You know, you're not developing a new product for the 300 million people in the US. You're going to be developing it for a very narrow, as we know from our Coca-Cola days, a very narrow specific segment. And you want to be able to get feedback from them, hopefully launch it so that they'll have an opportunity to try it and buy it, as opposed to wasting your distribution in areas where people are not going to be interested in that new product right off the bat. 
And then finally, I think another actionable use of data is simply supply and demand planning, the SNMOP process, being able to understand exactly which segments are going to be responsive to marketing, investment, et cetera. So I think there's so many different actionable ways that data can be a real difference maker. And, you know, we've talked a little bit about consumer data. I'm also very bullish on B2B customer data. Because when you think about that fragmented tale of traditional trade, being able to think of those customers the same way you think about consumers, their front office communications, like how they respond to account-based marketing is one thing, but then marry that with all the information that you have in the back office, think about the potential because you can prioritize whole segments of customers based on so many different criteria that weren't possible before. And I think that's pretty powerful. Just being able to prioritize customers based on profitability would help to spend and invest in in the most promising areas as opposed to spreading yourself so thin. So it's hard to serve B2B customers. It's hard to serve particularly at the long tail of traditional trade. And the same way that you know you can manage consumer data, managing that customer data, I think can be really powerful. Beyond data, I think data itself is not going to be much without execution. So look at you, John. How do you optimize execution? fulfillment in all different outlets on and off trade. So we're certainly talking about execution is where the rubber hits the road, right? It's your ability to be able to deliver. There's so many different variables of data that you can leverage to come up with an effective customer segmentation model, but are they all being leveraged from consumer signals to customer signals from a retailer perspective to your own signals within product innovation? as you're going through your commercialization process, you really have to be able to leverage the right insights on where you are placing your bets with the consumer and the customer. You also have to evaluate your tail of skews. And I think traditionally, and at least in my past history, you're looking at sales as the predominant piece. But if you have extra layers of insights from a consumer level, you might be able to see and segment that tail differently than just chopping it off as you have in the past, even though that's most reasonably the thing to do if you're not generating the right sales or profit. Are there areas within that tail that are unique to certain consumers where that contextual relevance that Efren was talking about earlier may make a difference? At any rate, that kind of segmentation to be able to get to a more exact level of execution is critical. And certainly in the food service space in my past, you have to actually look at different industry segments of where we sold our products, whether that was healthcare or college universities, which made a lot of relevant sense. Whereas from a healthy food profile, national accounts like bars and restaurants may not fit with certain products, but fit very well when you think about products that Diageo sells. So it really comes down to the industry segment level or sub-segment level to where you can win and where you offer the right story to reach that contextual relevance. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And I think just to build on what you're saying, John, making sure that the voice of the customer and CPG language that refers to our retail partners, making sure that voice is reflected early and often in how we think about our planning and execution process is really important. And at Diageo, we have something called the triple win, which is holding ourselves accountable to think about how what we're doing is going to ultimately drive value, not just for Diageo and the consumer and shopper, but also the customer as well in regards to is what we're doing in terms of the campaign that we're running or any sort of promotional activity. Is it going to create that category growth that our retail customers are looking for as well? That becomes even more important when you think about a company like Diageo, where you are the category leader 
So ultimately, you are setting the tone for the category in terms of what you do, but also what some of your competitors do as well in regards to collectively driving that category growth. To your point, looking at your price pack architecture in a segmented sort of way and having the data to be able to do that is a really important input to driving that type of triple win. I love it. I'll say one other thing about this fragmented on-premise, maybe traditional trade landscape. The more that you can automate it and find different ways to deliver the personalized needs that these individual shops, the better. And John and I had a fantastic event last week in New York where our customer Nestle, represented by Pablo Nil, who's developed just this amazing traditional trade B2B one-stop shop example based on SAP Commerce, they're really able to deliver and drive down the cost to serve for reaching these on-premise, these traditional trade long-tail customers. And the cool thing about the platform that he mentioned was that in addition to having B2B commerce, you can do order tracking, you can track invoices, you can have integrated customer service. It's a really powerful place to drive greater efficiencies in serving these customers and also freeing up the sales teams to, instead of just spending all their time taking orders and doing the transactions, they're able to focus on higher order services and advice to the customers. It's really a great storyline because that whole B2B space that they've created, it really allows for customer experiences to be shaped by their journeys. A series of interactions that have a discrete beginning and end inside that B2B portal. So it's unlocking some tremendous value for the customer at the same time, efficiency within Nestle themselves, generating much stronger customer satisfaction. You know, it's a global capability. So this is something that, you know, they can roll out easily into new markets. It's composable so they can offer as many of these kind of built-in services or as few as needed. And I think we saw almost equally large CPGs that were excited to learn more because when they've been able to do this, it's been customized to each market and fragmented and very hard to gain scale and ease of, you know, of implementation. So a pretty cool solution. And I think, again, it just goes back to execution, you know, bringing the right tools, the right processes to enable those moments that matter. I think one of the things we wanted to talk about was measuring success. We talked about reaching the consumer, we talked about execution, but how do you know you're doing your best? How do you keep optimized and you can't improve what you can't measure? It's interesting because a lot of the tools that CPG companies have to measure success haven't changed. You know, I think back to our time at Code, the marketing mix model or POS, IRI Nielsen, social media listening, brand tracking. And a lot of these tools are delivering data, but it needs to be integrated manually. I think something we're excited about, we're seeing a lot of interest on our side, is leveraging analytics platforms to pull it all together. In our case, SAP Analytics Cloud is able to pull in things like return on marketing investment but then interpret what kind of impact that's having on your profitability. You're able to track and responsively allocate your budget in real time because you, you have a real-time view into your actuals in the back end compared to budget. So for me, I'm excited about the future of measurement because I think there's a need to automate and centralize all these different ways of tracking success that we have out there. So that's some of my take on measuring success. Any other, any other thoughts, guys? I think when it comes to measurement, obviously you can measure hundreds, if not thousands of different things. My one piece of advice would be to start simple and to layer in complexity as you're going. So I think adopting a build, test, learn type of approach in regards to some of these things around measurement is a great place to start because what you don't want to have happen is that you're striving for perfection right out of the gate. And ultimately that becomes the enemy of good, right? And you in essence get to a place where you're stopped and you're not doing anything. So I would encourage people to think about how you can start simple 
and then layer in complexity as you're continuing to build and iterate on what you have. Very good words, words of advice, words to live by. Guys, we're getting toward the end. What I was thinking now is why don't we just have one more question? And we've talked a lot about moments that matter. If you're going to be bringing these moments to life, what is one piece of advice that you would give to CPGs out there? So maybe, John, we can start with you. We've talked about a lot of different things here. And my advice is to really think end to end. It starts with the right strategy to know what your goals are and what you're trying to achieve to get to that contextual relevance. Work with the right technology. Don't shy away from it. Think about it from the beginning to end, from the context of the data all the way through to your execution so that you're going to execute across the full spectrum of your strategy that starts with that really strong discipline of how you leverage the data. I love it. Well, I'll go next. I was going to say the same thing, John. I think it's about data-driven personalization at two different levels. At the consumer level, we've been thinking about that for a long time. But how well are we able to segment our customers, particularly the smaller customers that may have a high cost to serve, but high potential profitability if you can do that more efficiently and really personalize the way you're serving them? The second one, I think, is what I had talked about earlier, is the ability to measure and respond. And for me, having a real-time view into what you're spending into your budget and your actuals for your marketing spend and your sales spend, your promotional spend, I think is so powerful. And it's something I certainly didn't have years ago when I was a brand manager. And I think now in today's market, I'd love to see how that can, that can have an impact. And so maybe Efren to finish it out. Yeah, I think to continue on the data topic, I would say that ask yourself to identify the moments that matter. Think about how those moments are either driving relevance or are relevant in regards to what is the likelihood of a consumer or a shopper experiencing that moment based on their visit patterns or their shopping habits. And then secondly, ask you, how effective is that moment in terms of driving the desired behavior that you want? And that could be conversion power. That could also be in terms of driving brand equity or building your brand as well. But I think if you ask yourself, is this moment relevant? Is this moment effective? You're probably off to a good start in regards to figuring out which ones are the ones that matter the most. Efren, John, thank you so much, guys. I really enjoyed the conversation today. Love this topic, moments that matter, and look forward to discussing more in the future. So thanks again. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. That completes our two-part series on moments that matter in the customer journey. We hope you enjoyed listening. If you like the show, please subscribe to continue getting the latest consumer insights. Leave us a review to help us reach more people like you and connect with us via the show notes as we're here to support with emerging business strategies. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to the next time here on the Future of Consumer and Retail podcast by SAP. SAP.